Hello and welcome to MikeyPod. This is episode 172. I am rather joyfully returning to my activist sort of roots with this podcast. Those of you who have been listening since back in 19... No, sorry, 2006, I think is when I started this thing. Uh, I used to do a lot more activist or activist human rights, social justice issues. Uh, and I realized last week or so, uh, I have a ton of Facebook friends. And I scroll past a lot, including a lot of posts I saw from my friend Ken Kidd. Um, and uh, I say that to say this. When I realized, oh, I think something bad is happening in Russia to gay people, it was late. It was hard to figure out what was going on. So um, when I started making the effort to get caught up to speed, I realized why not just talk to my friend Ken Kidd, who is a very active member of uh, Queer Nation New York, um, who have been doing a lot of work um, bringing this to people's attention. And they've made some huge strides, including um, a protest outside of the New York Stock Exchange when they were having Russia Day. And what I want to do is start the show with this, uh, the opening remarks from Duncan Niederauer. I'm not sure if I pronounced his name correctly. Um, on Russia Day. And oh, this guy, uh, I don't know the name. Okay, just listen. <laughs> and then Ken will, dis will explain what you just heard in our interview. So welcome to the show, Mikey Pod, episode 172. Uh, it's December 11th, and here is the show. Now, as Scott said, this is the third time we're doing this. I want to be very clear about a few things. Um, these days we do, <clears throat> focused on regions or countries, are not to blindly promote investment opportunities in a specific uh, region or jurisdiction, but it's really to assess the opportunities uh, as well as the challenges and have an open and honest review. So it's in this vein, before we begin, that I would, I would, be, remiss, uh, I would be remiss if I did not mention um, a group of demonstrators that is likely to organize out front. I think it'll be a fairly small group, but there will be a group out front uh, at Federal Hall later today who are demonstrating uh, this forum. Uh, in fact, last week, provoked by this event, we received a petition uh, strongly encouraging us to cancel this forum. Now, I think there's a lot of great things about the United States. Um, that includes free speech, the right to peacefully assemble, and the right to petition, among other things. Uh, so I want to be clear on behalf of my colleagues, uh, all the people I work with globally, our clients, and our partners, uh, the New York Stock Exchange abhors discrimination of any kind, and we have a strong commitment to supporting equal rights for all, regardless of their sexual orientation. Now, given today's discussion, I think it's important to note when we talk about the opportunities and challenges to make an investment anywhere, discriminatory policies absolutely have a negative impact uh, and have a real impact on companies' decision-making processes. With regard to LGBT rights or related human rights, companies regularly make it clear to me as the CEO of the NYSE that this inhibits their likelihood of investing. They also have to think long and hard about whether they want to send people into a jurisdiction where they think they may have to fear for their safety. 
and there's obviously reputational risk associated with doing so. So we took this petition pretty seriously, and we consulted with our LGBT partners, of which there are many, and, and our own employees. And I took their advice, which was constructive and supportive, and they were among those encouraging us to proceed with this forum. And some may ask why. Um, our view is pretty simple. We hold these forums so, because we believe our convening power allows us to have a very open and candid dialogue around any issue, and we encourage everyone to speak their mind. Um, sustainable development, in our view, is only achievable when opportunities are equal for all, regardless of anyone's race, gender, or sexual orientation. And I think we would not be the partner that our LGBT allies count on us to be and that we pride ourselves in being if I did not at least spend a minute or two with you on that issue. Now, I do that in the spirit that I have gleaned from many meetings I have had over the years in Moscow, in St. Petersburg, and in Davos, among other places, where what is always clear at those meetings is the opportunities as well as the challenges are given equal time. I have never been to a meeting in a forum like this discussing opportunities in Russia where the Russian delegation has not been very open and candid about talking about some of the weaknesses or issues that might hold back people from investing. And I'm sure you can count on that today. Now, we may be adding human rights to that list, but historically that list has included investor protection, corporate governance, rule of law, um, things like that. Corruption. I think these are all issues, and we can now add human rights to that list, that I think are important to discuss, but I'm sure we will have an open uh, debate today. Turn away, run away, turn away, run away, run away. Turn away, run away, turn away, run away, turn away. Pushed around and kicked around, always a lonely boy. You were the one that they talk about around town as they put you down. But as hard as they would try to hurt and make you cry, you would never cry to them, just to your soul. You would never cry to them, just to your soul. Village of New York City with my friend Ken Kidd. Welcome, hey, uh, welcome to Mikey Pod. Well, thanks, Michael. <laughs> Ken, I was uh, I'm, I usually have like a little bio or something, but then like first off, Ken is my friend. So hey, um, but the other thing is you have been a member, an active member of ACT UP and Coronation for ever decades. Yeah, decades is unfortunately true. Um, <laughs> I started. In ACT UP at the anniversary action, which was in March, I guess, of 88, downtown, uh, Wall Street action, and got involved pretty quickly. Actually, that's a lie. I actually 
took about a year to get really involved because at first my little jury in my head, the, the jury of the voices in my head <laughs> was still out about uh, how much in denial I was that there really was a gay, not a gay, but an AIDS pandemic affecting not only the gay community, but you know the, the world at large. And I still wanted to wish that it weren't so. And so mm -hmm. for about another year, I did some things with ACT UP, but I also sort of, you know, tried to pretend like it wasn't happening. And then as I was watching more and more people get sick and die, and I mean, that little phrase was what, they, what happened then. We got sick and we died. Um, and it was fast. It was fast. Or, or it wasn't fast. It was fast and then it got slow and then people sort of got better and then they got fast again. It was just, it was horrible was what it was. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> it required my attention is what it was. And uh, then in 1990, spring of 1990, in response to some uh, horrible acts that were happening in the village, you know, which was sort of like the gay epicenter of New York City at that time, queer epicenter. It be rapidly became, you know, we started calling it queer instead of gay because we were going to take that word back, damn it. Mm -hmm. um, but it, really there was a pipe bomb that exploded down at a bar on Greenwich Avenue called Uncle Charlie's. And by that point, people were just like, okay, that's enough. And within 24 hours, without the benefit of cell phones or the internet or any of those things that we take for social media, any of those things that we take for granted now, we ended up having enough people to close Greenwich Avenue. And if you're familiar with that street, it's a wide thoroughfare that mm -hmm. you know cuts across downtown New York. Um, and just basically we said enough. And within a few weeks, two weeks maybe, uh, we did a take back the night action that wended its way from you know down through west, the West Village and the East Village. And it became a real summer of LGBT activism. Uh, going for you know that lasted a really really about a year. Now to say that I have been an active member of ACT UP and Queer Nation through since then is sort of a lie because, <clears throat> like, like the swells of those groups and by swells I mean the swelling numbers of those groups dissipated just because people got sick. Mm -hmm. The ones that didn't get sick and die got burnt out. There were fights that took place because people. Anytime that there's a, a relationship of those of people who take things so seriously and so passionately, and have a <coughs> lot of love and care for one another, you know, it's a thin line between love and hate, mm -hmm. and you just couldn't do it forever. So there, for a while, the groups remained constant. My involvement with them did not. Uh, about a year and a half ago, two years ago, I started getting back involved with ACT UP and Queer Nation just this summer. Was it, did, has ACT UP itself been active all of this time? ACT UP itself has been going on. I mean, you know, it, the numbers got real, real small. Uh, its focus changed. It became, I can't speak to it intelligently, to tell you the truth, mm -hmm. because I wasn't a part of it, and I wouldn't be doing, being fair to it and doing it justice. Right. But, you know, it definitely, you know, continued to meet and continued to, in small, smaller numbers, to do things. And uh, some of my colleagues, you know, my comrades from the old act up, Mark Milano comes to mind, uh, stuck with it, you know, throughout, it, throughout the entirety. Um, I got involved again at the 25th anniversary of ACT UP, which was, you know, the action, again, an anniversary action that we, where we went down to Wall Street. And City Hall, you know, down we met at City Hall and we went down to Wall Street um, in April of 2012, and we actually were in conjunction in tandem with some other groups, including folks from Occupy, and that was a huge demo, and it was sort of like an old school big act up, 
we were talking about criminalization of HIV. You know, uh, we were talking about uh, trying to get a Robinhood tax on bond trade or Wall Street trading that, for pennies, would actually add up to fund a potential cure. Those things are definitely still, you know, still should be addressed. I got sidetracked with Queer Nation stuff this summer, though, because I have been in it about Russia. Yeah, which is why I wanted to talk to you. <clears throat> um, my perspective of it is mostly from your Facebook page. <laughs> and there's a lot to know. And I go in and out of being interested in activism. And now I'm in, and it's like, okay, where the fuck do I start? Right. So. Well, what do you, well, you want a little primer 101? Yeah, about and I think it's great to like, because I think, I, am I imagining things that a lot of people are just either ignorant that there's a big issue going on in Russia right now? Or? I don't think, you know, first of all, ignorance has a pejorative ring to it, mm-hmm. and I don't want people to feel ignorant. I want people to feel encouraged to learn more. And I think that it has not been something that people would care about. Why would you care about Russia? I mean, why would you, you know, we thought, you know, we thought it's a small world after all now, you know, you know, we all are on the same page about all this stuff. And in fact, you know, point of fact, Russia in 19, in the early 1990s, when the walls came a tumbling down and when communication came up and, you know, they embraced the, the Western tradition and certainly the the dynasty lifestyle, you know, which is kind of a mean thing for me to say, but um, capitalism was embraced by a large by the people. If you talk to people from Russia in New York City, a lot of them are going to say we really embrace all this stuff and we you know bring it on. Anyway, nineteen ninety three, they decriminalized homosexuality, and <clears throat> it became uh, much more open and not. For much, much easier to be lesbian or gay in, in the former Soviet Union. Right. Okay. And, you know, things went along and that, you know, things went along sort of toward that end. The economy and the embracing of Western culture, though, still had controversy. You had people who, you know, the Russian Orthodox Church was still big. You know, there, there, that was a hard one. There are people who still to this day question whether or not they were better off under you know under Soviet rule, just because there were certain things that were constant, it wasn't as hard in some ways to make a choice and mm-hmm. all this kind of stuff. Although it was damn hard, and I mean you know anything that I'm going to say as a gay white male from New York City mm-hmm. about this is going to sound oversimplified, and it's going to sound like I don't know what I'm talking about, and I probably don't know as much as somebody that you should be talking to about this. Right. But I will tell you that it was much better for. Russian lesbians and gays until Putin came back. And because the economy was pretty much in the toilet, because there were their export situation was bad, because patriotism in Russia was low, because there was nothing to get behind. Vladimir Putin did what a lot of folks do, you know, it's happened certainly in history, which is you go, you kick the dog that's most available and that is the ugliest to the, to the most number of people mm-hmm. and that to this that is the gay community, the lesbian gay community. And suddenly these laws started getting more and more severe to the culminating in the one this June that started saying this anti-LGBT propaganda law that said if you tell somebody that it is that gay is okay with an earshot of a minor it's against the law because supposedly this is all about <coughs> minors and the future 
if you tell somebody that gay is okay or that you are gay, you run the risk of losing your job. If you put it on the internet, the penalties are worse. If you do it in any sort of media, the penalties are worse. If you, you know, it is automatic that you will be punished for, you and I could not have this conversation, much less have a Mikey pot about it. It wouldn't happen. It wouldn't happen. It couldn't happen. Um, Then it becomes a situation where suddenly, because children are involved, Russia will not let people from outside of Russia adopt Russian children. For example, the United States can't do it anymore because we have become so much more pro-gay and because mm-hmm. marriage equality is taking root in you know, 16 states now. It's, you can't adopt a kid from Russia. And <clears throat> that's happening in, in, in pretty much any country that's like that. You know, The laws are on the books that says you can't do it. Laws were introduced in the summer, in September, to say that uh, Russian parents with children were going to have their kids taken away from them. Russian LGBT parents were going to have their kids taken away from them. If I am a parent, no matter how I source that kid, <laughs> you know, whether I adopted that kid, whether I sired that kid, whether mm-hmm. I mothered that kid, whether whatever, if you know, that kid is going to be taken. Now, there was a great hue. People were shocked that that happened before the Olympics because the, you know suddenly we're starting to throw this little spotlight on what's happening in Russia, mm-hmm. and the they you know they got they got they were like okay they got antagonistic and they were like okay West you're trying to tell us what to do we'll show you you can't cross us we're going to go ahead and introduce this law whether you like it or not we were going to wait but now we you know we're going to go ahead and do it so. Uh, that now the law is tabled, but people have every people think that it will definitely be brought back in, in before the legislature uh, as soon as the Olympics are over. Mm-hmm. Now, mind you, this anti-gay, anti-LGBT propaganda law passed unanimously with one abstention. People support this law in Russia at the time that the law was passed in June. Now, this is a startling and really scary, sobering thing to me. When the law was passed in June, 74% of the people polled in different polls, taken from the right, right-wing people, taken from the left-wing people, taken from you know, different polling agencies, around 74% was a constant, said that they supported this law. Okay, that's scary, right? Mm-hmm. Since then, because, the, you know, because of, all, of all the hubbub that's happened about it and because you know, Putin is digging his heels in and basically saying, this is, this is what we stand for and we aren't going to let the West take, take us over and we aren't going to, you know, da 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 Those numbers are climbing. Now it's over 80% that support this. Because it's becoming like a nationalistic thing? Absolutely. It's working. It's doing exactly what he said. They've got nothing. I mean, when we started, when we started trying to bring attention to this, the first thing we thought of was, well, we're going to boycott products from Russia. So... What are the products from Russia? I mean, there's a company called Luke Oil. You know, they used to have gas stations here in Manhattan, but because of the gentrification of Manhattan and the airites, you know, those gas stations are disappearing. So that wasn't something that was really, that affected a lot of people here in Manhattan. And when we first started doing this at the end of July, mind you, at the end of July is when all this started happening, um, we wanted to go for, not the lowest, but the common denominator and, you know, I mean, the only other thing that, we, that really, the only other product that we had to choose from because they are, they're such a dearth of exports from there is soybeans, or, you know, buckwheat, rather, buckwheat. The buckwheat boycott was going nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> so we went with vodka. And then that became, 
good also because there was controversy about whether Stoli was from Russia or not. And mm-hmm. the gays love their Stoli so much that became a real, it got people talking about it. Yeah. You know, and then uh, do boycotts work? Boycotts don't work. These are our friends. Well, are they your friends because they market, you know, because they actually give you, you know, they, they market the vodka to bars so cheaply that they can have specials on it? You know, that's what makes them your friends? Anyway, yeah. that's a conversation for another day. But all we knew at the time was that this was something that would draw attention to it. We went to the Russian consulate on July the 31st. It was an action that took three days to put together. We just decided that we needed to do something we got a couple of bars. We called some bars. We got uh, the owner of Boxers, a bar that has a bar owner that has two bars here. He was fantastic. He supplied vodka, you know, Stoli vodka that they already had, and a couple of hot bartenders. And mm-hmm. we had a photo op in front of the Russian consulate here, and that's pretty. And right about that time, uh, Dan Savage got on board, and Harvey Firestein wrote a, an op-ed for, piece for the New York Times. Mm-hmm. And boom, it was off. And we have just since then been trying to get this word out there about how dangerous it is in Russia and how this is this Olympics are happening in February and how this is the perfect storm of sport, international competition that's supposedly done to better understanding and to mm-hmm. make the world a better pace, place through peace, commerce. You know, there are 10 major sponsors of this thing. Coca-Cola has been a sponsor of the modern Olympics since 1928. They're the biggest sponsor. They've sponsored this 28, even through, including the Berlin Nazi Olympics. Um, oh, shit. The, you know, but I mean, you've, but you, all of the sponsors, every one of the sponsors, too, in a, in a world where, you know, so many things are marketed from corporation to corporation and, you know, the backbone of a lot of the economy really isn't something that an individual consumer consumes. Mm-hmm. You've got Coca-Cola. You know, Coke has said that Coke has, has a global system. Coke wants to be in every home. If they want one of its products, and there are many, it would be shocking to you to know how many there are. Mm-hmm. Um, they want their products in every home around the world and that's not that's not hyperbolic they want their product in every home around the world and they are sponsoring the Sochi Olympics McDonald's there's they have said time and time again that they want a Mickey D's within three minutes of every human being on the planet by 2020 mm. that's scary enough Dear Lord. right yeah every human being on the planet 2020 those are two major sponsors Visa um, you know, Russian Standard, which also makes vodka, although it's not as well known as Stoli, is also Russian Standard is also a bank in Russia, and they they have every uh, they issue every visa and every cash card in in uh, the so in Russia, sorry, say Soviet Union in Russia. Anyway, so you got you got Visa, you got McDonald's, you got this company called Atos, which we're not going to fool with because you don't know what it is and you don't know what it is, and we're going after them once. General Electric, Samsung, Panasonic. You know, all these are, are mm-hmm. they, they market directly to you. They want to be in your home. They want you to think highly of them. Right. And NBC. So, you know, anyway, you have sport, you have international commerce, and you have international relations because all of these countries are coming together. Russia and the Russian Olympics present a great opportunity. If we can affect any kind of change in Russia, then we can also go to the other countries that are represented at that Olympics, Olympiad, and say, we didn't let Russia off the hook. We sure as hell ain't going to let Jamaica off the hook. You know, at, you know these are things that... You know, it's a perfect opportunity, and we have mm-hmm. 61 days now until it starts. So is the goal to what? 
Interesting. The goal is ultimately to change these Russian laws. Ultimately. And I, you know, and I may be Don Quixote, but I think it's possible. Uh, The goal is to make people aware of these things and to have people like, you know, Masha Gessen, who I know from ACT UP, who's a former ACT UP comrade, an author, you know, a teacher, a, a mother who is fleeing Russia because, you know, she saw the writing on the wall and came over here. And we, you know, Queer Nation got her on such a press tour in August and <coughs> September where she was basically saying, this is how bad it is. I'm talking to my kids about the possibility of them getting taken away from us. I'm talking about what they should do if somebody comes up to them and says, you have to come with us now. These are conversations that we have now. It's hard to believe that that's really happening. You know, like, and I, I think it's a defense mechanism for me, but it's really dangerous because... A lot of times I'll see that or th- things other people post on Facebook, which right. is a really great way to get information to people. But also, I think my way of just keeping myself safe from realizing that that kind of shit is really happening is like, oh, they're exaggerating. It's denial. Right. Well, yeah. it's just like when we first started this conversation, I was talking to you about AIDS in 1988 mm-hmm. and how I, my denial kept me from getting involved. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's normal. I think yeah. that's quite normal. Nobody wants to believe it's this bad because it seems like fucking science fiction. Yeah. It seems like Nazi Germany all over again. You know why? Because it is. It is. Mm. And, you know, and we're in a situation where that, that old thing about those who forget the past are doomed to repeat it, mm-hmm. that's happening now. Right down to what happened in Berlin before the 1936 Olympics when the IOC went in and there was this big, people don't know, they may not know, there was a major brouhaha, there was a major move afoot to boycott the 36 Olympics because of what was happening in in Germany and because of Hitler. There was a major move afoot and it came this close to happening. Mm -hmm. And the head of the IOC at the time went over there and of course it was completely sanitized and they took down, the one thing they didn't do was they took, they didn't take down some of these signs, uh, these anti-Jew signs. And basically, what did they do? He objected. And his name is on the tip of my head, and I can't believe I'm not remembering it right now. But anyway, Hitler's goons said, we will take those signs down for the duration of the Olympics. And he was like, okay, great. As long as our athletes aren't affected by it and they don't have to look at it, then that's fine. Okay, so what's happening now? The IOC goes over in September, and they say, oh, we get assurances that the athletes are going to be safe. And as long as the athletes are safe, that's really, that's all that's under our bailiwick. Never mind that these laws completely go against the short form of the IOC charter. I mean, it's right there. There's, I put on Facebook a document where we took little sticky, multicolor rainbow post-it notes into mm-hmm. different passages. And essentially there are six <clears throat> points that you know, what's happening in Russia now completely goes against the International Olympic Committee's charter. And yet they just were like, la, 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 it's okay, it can't be that bad, we're going to go through with it. Money, money, money. I keep mm-hmm. telling everybody, follow the money, follow the money, follow the money. The only way that we're going to get through to the other, you know, through to the sport and through to the, the international relations of the countries involved is to follow the money of NBC, of the uh, sponsors, uh, you know, get it through <clears throat> to the point that we got a pretty major victory this week because the comptroller of, the, of New York State, DiNapoli, has said that uh, it is incumbent upon all of the 10 major sponsors to speak out, to make a, make a statement mm-hmm. about 
what's happening in Russia about the loss, to come to say how they feel about him, to tell the IOC that they want a short that it, that they are demanding assurances that the athletes are going to be okay, but not just the athletes, to about <coughs> the, the, the citizens after they're gone, mm-hmm. and you know they're, they're, it's a three pronged approach. The sponsors haven't still haven't said a word. This came out this past week, mm-hmm. but I mean we are making headway. There was Russia Day on the uh, on the stock exchange that took place about God three weeks. What was it? November. Why don't I know this? It was November the eighteenth, um, I believe, and I think that's correct. Um, so my yeah, it was Monday, November the eighteenth. So my little queer nation posse decided that we were. There had been a Russian business forum that took place in October, and it was at the Princeton Club, and several of our group went there and disrupted it, and basically said what it was, was it was a forum for New Yorkers to invest in Russia, mm-hmm. um, leading up to Russia Day that was going to take place on the stock exchange on November the 18th. So I was supposed to go that day, I got sick, but my colleagues Three of my colleagues did go. They stood up. They made some demands. And another friend of ours videotaped it or videoed it. And the response was shocking. When I tell you the homophobia in that room among the New York investors was almost as bad as the Russians who essentially were laughing and mocking. (coughs) And, you know, a friend of mine said, you know, this is not funny. Why are you laughing about that? And this one New Yorker said, of course it's funny. It's hilarious. It's hilarious. And another one said, where are the lesbians? If you brought lesbians, we might listen to you. Yeah. I mean, it was just unbelievable. So that was, so then the second one on November the 18th, we actually started petitioning. And, uh, a, a new friend of mine, Bert Leatherman, who was a graduate of NYU Law School, really took the pragmatic approach and went and through change.org and started a petition. Mm-hmm. Not unlike the one that was started before the Metropolitan Opera opening, which you know that yeah. we protested the Met opening and I went in and we shouted them, you know, Gurgiev down because he's a big fan of... We basically have been trying to be every place that we possibly can. Yeah. Um, and you've been doing a really good job of it. Well, I don't know about that, but I mean, we really do try to do as much hit and run as we can, and it's you can't be everywhere at once, and that's a fucking pain in the ass because <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you want to be. But anyway, so Russia, New York, stock exchange. <clears throat> so we we started this petition. We found out where the second Russian forum was going to be. That it was going to be at this white shoe law firm called Goodwin Proctor that has a pretty good, amazing record on LGBT issues and that also has taken a lot of pro bono work and then has a strong LGBT um, work group, attorneys group. And so we started a petition to them saying, why are you hosting this? Do you know what's going on? Do you know what's happening over there? How long before? You, how long did you book this space here before this happened? So eventually, really right toward the very end, well, let, let's, let's save them for later. So we got to go in part we went after them. Mm-hmm. We found out that Mayor Bloomberg was hosting this, was, you know, had written a letter for them, was sponsoring it, was saying it was a great thing, all this kind of stuff. We started immediately going to Bloomberg's office and saying, how can you be involved in this? This is a terrible thing. This is a terrible thing. Really hated him hard, really hated him hard, really hated him hard. We also found out that the president of the American Bar Association was giving the keynote address at this thing in conjunction with Russia Day and this forum on you know, November the 18th. We went after all these people with petitions, all these people saying, how can you be a part of this? <clears throat> Showed them images of 
the vigilante gangs that are going after. Because, you know, what's happening in Russia has made it so that vigilante gangs can go after people, entrap them, and terrorize them, you know, with Uh physical violence and, you know, psychological violence. They videotape it. They put it on videotape. What am I? What is this, 1983? (laughs) Anyway, they record it, they put it up on, on their version of YouTube, and it's become common entertainment now. People watch it like, you know, it's like mm-hmm. Russia's funniest videos. Um, it's yeah, horrible. Yeah, uh, I read an article about it recently. It's horrible. Oh, it's, yeah. Um, you know, the most recent victim of this was the equivalent of Russia's Got Talent or one of those yeah. shows who, you know, was out, and they entrapped him, and, you know, got, he was a big get. You know, they call these safaris. They call it going on safari there, which is lovely. And it's really just accepted. It's absolutely accepted. And anytime there's a a demonstration in Russia, an LGBT demonstration, you know, and they're harassed and they're beaten or whatever, the LGBT demonstrators are the ones that get arrested. The other ones go away. Mm -hmm. You know, that's because they're the ones that are breaking the law. The ones that are beating up the LGBT protesters are, in fact, in keeping with the law. It's bad. My yeah, God. it's really like the thing that's getting me, and it's so hard to believe, is that they're going backwards. They're going backwards fast. That's why I wanted to tell you about the percentage points of that poll. You know how you know six percentage points on a poll of that a national poll of that magnitude mm-hmm. in just a matter of months is huge. It's frenzied. It's absolutely hysterical and you know there are all these things that play you're not a good Russian if you believe you know if you believe in gays you're not you know you're letting the westerners in and quite frankly the American radical religious right had a big hand in this just as we did in Uganda Scott Lively went to Uganda started that whole thing you know getting people riled up about the kill the gays bill Mm -hmm. he went over to Russia there is video of him in Russia stirring the kettle over there saying America that used to be this Christian you know cradle is now looking to you because we messed up you have a chance to actually get it right we look to you we look to you we look to you so there are all kinds of all kinds of influences at play here that are scary Anyway, let's go back to, to here we are in November and it's the stock mm-hmm. exchange and all that. So this Russian business forum was supposed to take place at Goodwin Proctor. It was going to have a keynote speaker by uh, Silkenet, James Silkenet, who was the head of the American Bar Association. A big deal. Also very pro-LGBT you know, hi- history. Um, so we started sending them all these pictures and these petitions and individual letters and you know, saying, how can you do this? Can you really do this? Can you really do this? And at first it was, oh, we're going to engage them in a dialogue, and we believe that dialogue is the best way to go and all that and all that. And then really it just became, we appealed to their conscience and said, okay, really? Well, just as long as you're having this dialogue with them where you may lose, they may win, just remember these pictures. And Mike Bloomberg, you're hosting, you're, you're saying this is okay and you're welcoming them and all that. There's a big letter up there from you and it says your name's above the title. Okay, as long as you're okay with that, that's fine. Well, the first thing that we got was a press agent from Bloomberg's office that said, we're, yeah, we're not going to do this. They have to, we've given them, we told them cease and desist, take all, take all that information about the, about the mayor's office down. And they did, to a point, they kept up just a, a little, they kept up a quote that he had said about Russia in the past that there was negligible about whether they wanted to pursue it and we didn't mm-hmm. pursue it because we wanted to go on to the next thing. The next thing was that the week before this thing happened, because all these things, again, trying to be everywhere at once, all these things happened fast. 
So we find about, out about something, we start going after it. By this time, it's maybe eight days before the event's supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. We're trying to organize people to show up with our rainbow banners that were created by Gilbert Baker, who created the original rainbow flag. He's a proud, uh. proud queer national. And, and you know, he has made banners that are 50 and 60 feet long for us. Uh, so we're trying to get you know, actual people on the ground while trying to do this thing in, you know, on the interwebs. And, you know, appealing to people and trying to get press and all that sort of thing. While also, I'm trying to hold down a job, too. Right. And walk my dog and get cleaned up every day. <laughs> so, um, so then the next thing was Silkenet said, you know, I can't, in, you're right, I can't with a clear conscience do this. So he wrote to the organizers of this, seriously, about a week out and said, I won't be giving your keynote address. Sorry. So then it was right down to, and all this time, then we're, we're still going to the New York Stock Exchange as a petition saying, Cancel Russia Day. Cancel Russia Day. Cancel Russia Day. Can, can, how can you let this go on? Cancel Russia Day. Cancel Russia Day. I think maybe we didn't think that we had a bat's chance in hell at getting Russia Day canceled, really. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm just speaking for myself. But I think that we thought the more signatures that we could get. So first, you know, when we were going to forget to go in Proctor, we wanted 1,000 signatures. And then suddenly we had 1,000. And then it was like, okay, well, we'll go for 2,500. And then we had 2,500. And then it was like, we ended up getting, you know, and this, that was actually about the Russia Day, too, the same thing. We, we wanted 1,000 signatures just because that seems like, gives you respect. By the day before, Goodwin Proctor basically kicks him out on the Wednesday before the Russian form is supposed to happen. Oh, wow. So Goodwin Proctor essentially says, okay, these queer nation people are really loud and obnoxious, but they made us go to, you know, they started people talking about this. It became water cooler talk among the attorneys and among the paralegals and among the clericals and among all the people that work in this big white shoe law firm that has offices not only in New York City but in Russia and all over the place. Mm -hmm. And finally it got to the point where we had to have a partners meeting because people were talking about it so much and they had to take a vote on it and they agreed to vote to tell them that they couldn't hold their Russian forum there the Wednesday before it was going to happen all day on Monday. Basically they said, you're homeless. That's big, you know, and <clears throat> some of us had registered to get in there again because we wanted we were going to do civil disobedience in there again. And basically, they weren't getting back to us to say where it was because they didn't know where it was going to be. Um, so then at this point, we really stepped up the pressure with the petition about canceling Russia Day more and more uh-huh. and more, knowing that we were going to have a demo at the stock exchange and that we were going to have a demo wherever we found out that this Russian forum was going to be and both those things were going to be on Monday the 18th. So one of the people that went from Queer Nation had actually gotten in and got a, uh, a confirmation, because they got really cagey about confirming for the Russian forum, got a confirmation. We found out where it was going to be Monday morning. Several of us went. We handed out leaflets, and nobody came. I mean, not only did they have to move. No one came to the Russian forum? Nobody came. Nobody <coughs> came. Four people came. You know, we kept we could see in and we could see all the table with the placards and with the mm-hmm. lanyards and with the, the packets of information and all that kind of stuff, and they just didn't have anybody. And uh, because not only did they move at the last minute and did they lose their keynote speaker and did the credibility of having the mayor's office endorsement disappear, but they suddenly said, well, we had to move circumstances beyond our control, so now we're actually charging an admission of $100 because oh, Goodwin Proctor was going to pay for everything. Goodwin Proctor was hosting them. 
So, you know, it, it was, I know, it was extremely satisfying as I was there handing out what probably, and the people kept coming in on the sidewalk. They called 911 on us to get us to move. And the cops were fat, excuse me, fabulous. They were just basically saying, yeah, we got, they were like, okay, do you have a permit? This one guy came up to me, was like, do you have a permit? And I said, no, our permit is our First Amendment rights, and we're on a public sidewalk. He was like, I, he's like, I, I, he raises his hand, he's like, I, 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 I know. <laughs> I know, Ken. I know, Ken. And uh, he goes, I'm just asking you if you have a permit. I'm not saying we're going to do anything. I just want to know. And uh, so we were, you know, it's cross town street, so we were handing out flyers to cars that they were, that were stuck in traffic. Yeah. We were giving them out. We were, you know, it was extremely great for us to be able to say to these people who had called 911 and to the cops, and the cops were great, you know, but it was extremely great for us to be able to say, this isn't Russia. We can actually do this. Mm-hmm. We're not breaking the law. That's the difference. So, um, then we go down to the stock exchange. So unbeknownst to us, by this time we have gotten over 10,000 signatures for them to cancel Russia Day. Right? Right. That's huge. We started 10, out, we wanted one. Now we've got 10. So, but we're also engaged, the, the person who's, this, the, the head of the stock exchange is now engaging with us and saying, we really can't cancel it. It's too big of a deal. We've done this forever. And we had seen the footage. We made little videos of them ringing the bell. And, you know, they, they bring a whole entourage over from Russia to ring the bell. And, you know, they have a forum that goes on inside during, you know, it's a full day forum, you know, for Mm -hmm. these Wall Street types. So we're down there at four o'clock and we have a new Gilbert Baker rainbow flag, a rainbow banner that's 90 feet long that we have spread out all in front of the uh, stock exchange. And I made 1,500 flyers and we're handing them out like mad. And... Uh, I had brought a bunch of cowbells, you know, mm-hmm. to say, because they were going to ring the bell inside, we were going to ring the bells outside. So we look up and we realize that if you've ever been on, down on the stock exchange when there is a day like this, usually they make this huge multi-story banner that says what's, what the day is. And there was nothing on the front of the building. There was nothing. Uh-huh. No, but so it's like, okay, well, that's kind of amazing that they didn't even put the banner up. And then there are three flags. There's the stock exchange flag, there's the American flag, and then there's the flag of the country that they're honoring. This day there was a stock exchange flag and there were two American flags. The Ru- they no didn't Russian flag, flag the Russian flag. <clears throat> right. So we're thinking, wow, that's kind of interesting and kind of cool. We thought that was a big victory. So we're there and we're doing our chanting and we're doing our flyering. And the people who, and we kept waiting for them to come out and nobody came out. And the stock exchange people were not happy with us, but they, because we can... We were there, and uh, there was, we got a lot of media. There was media from, you know, because the other thing is that a lot of people from Queer Nation, the people, they sort of disrespect us because they think we're just these dirty radicals. Mm-hmm. But they don't realize that we, you know, that, that I work with incredibly well-connected people in public affairs and the news media and all that, you know, and we're also of a certain age now, for better or for worse, where we have contacts in the real world. Yeah. So we work them. Um, but that rush, so we, meanwhile, there's all kinds of press down there. So unbeknownst to us, while we're out there ringing our bells, the stock exchange tells the Russians inside that they're not going to let them raise the, ring the closing bell. They didn't cancel the day, but they pretty much took all the literal bells and whistles away from them. Right. They told them in the afternoon at the last minute that these folks that had flown over specifically to do this 
And if you ever see somebody ringing the closing bell, usually it's a whole entourage and they're mm-hmm. very happy and it's exciting and it's an honor. They told them that they weren't going to have that honor and that, in fact, instead that they were going to let volunteer employee, volu- employees from the New York Stock Exchange who volunteer at the Humane Society of New York ring the bell that day on Russian Day. So they, did, they, they weren't allowed to ring the bell. That's crazy. I know. It's kind of crazy. And it's also wonderful that it was the Humane Society, right? Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so we were waiting. We couldn't figure out why these Russians weren't coming out after ringing the bell. Well, they had left. They were, gone. were they pissed? Hell yes, they were pissed. Wouldn't you be? Yeah. Some of them flew over specifically for that. I mean, these are not you know small potatoes folks. Mm-hmm. Um, so unbeknownst to us, that happened, and then unbeknownst to us, until this today, somebody sent me a video of uh, the head of the stock exchange um, doing the open the opening ceremony, wherein he basically sits down and he says, "Before I do another thing, I need to address this issue." And he talked about the LGBT anti propaganda laws in Russia. He mentions that there are going to be demonstrators outside. He says, I don't know if it's even going to be a big crowd, but there's going to be a crowd, and we need to address this. He talks about the issues that have been discussed at Russia Day in the past, and you know, including corruption, including you know, the rule of law. I mean, there's, there's serious issues about wanting to invest in Russia anyway. Yeah. But he said, and now we really have to add human rights to the table. And he got it. He totally got it. Uh, and he basically, he, he, he also said, this is a human rights issue. It's not just an LGBT thing, which is the message that we're trying to get out yeah. there fast. Wow. So, what? I know. I'm a babbler. I'm sorry I'm babbling. No, it's good. Like, it's good for me to, like, hear the timeline of everything. You know what I mean? Yeah. So now, basically, we're going after... I have a bee in my bonnet about Coca-Cola <laughs> uh, because they have been the... You know, and they're... Right now, you know, they're going to bring that, that commercial about telling and teaching the world to sing and buying the world a Coke and living in perfect harmony. And yet, we have asked them to say something about this. We did something that I came up with, which has never been done before, which we called an email zap. Mm-hmm. Where I got email addresses for five global brand managers of Coke, drafted a, a, um, an email had they all you know it had the a particular heading. We sent it around via social network and contacts and all that sort of thing, so that on this particular day in early October, that we were going to bombard them with the same email message that had the same heading. So no whether whether they opened it or not. On their computers, they were going to see, you know, a thousand emails or what have you. We were hoping for a thousand. We ended up getting about 7,000 messages sent in a very (coughs) short amount of time. Um, That's a lot. That's a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, They had engaged us after a demonstration that we did in Times Square where we dumped Coke into the sewer. That got worldwide press. I, I was on BBC... And by the time I'd gotten back to my office, Coca-Cola had put something up on their website addressing human rights atrocities in in Russia and the Sochi Olympics and their sponsorship of it. So we engaged them on that, and they were talking to us. Then another couple of organizations, you know, what we call Gay Inc., uh, decided, you know, kind of took our idea. I was a little, you know, I got my biscuits burned about that, but then I thought, hey, go ahead and do it. You know, do it. Don't you have to give Ken Kidd credit for coming up with the idea, even though I did. Um, <laughs> as long as you do it. And they got yeah. tens of thousands of people, hundreds of thousands of people to send emails and sign a petition to these same people with mm-hmm. using these same email addresses that we had managed to get. One of them, one of them, Muammar Kent. Muammar Kent, who's the head of the uh, Coca-Cola International. Um, 
And pretty much when the heat, they started feeling the heat, what they did was they went into legalese and stopped talking. So right now, because of this Stanapoli attorney general thing, we're going to go after them. They, they have been told, essentially, by Stanapoli, because there are issues in, about the New York State Pension Fund and about investment and about all this sort of thing, they are really going to be held accountable to say something about what's going on in Russia in these, in, and their investments there. So... I mean, I think it's really exciting. I, my goal, since you asked me that a long time ago, was I want... Russia, you know, Coca-Cola enjoys a perfect score from the human rights campaign about its LGBT mm -hmm. policies and about, you know, that it's a good place to work for, that you should use their product, all that sort of thing. That's only about the West, right? right. They're great in Atlanta, you know, in the United States, and they're even great in, you know, Great Britain. But... Do they have those same policies in Russia? And are they in Russian on their website? Are they in, you know, if I am an LGBT employee, of which there are 15,000 in Russia, is it safe for me to go to work? Is that one place where I can actually go and be out there without worrying about these anti-gay anti laws, anti-queer laws? Mm -hmm. I don't think so. And, you know, as much as I've really, you know, I am sort of on a first-name basis with whoever, well, they call me Ken, I call them Coke, but, like, they, you know, I'm trying to engage them in saying, are these system-wide? And they'll come back and say, yes, they're system-wide. Well, send me the URL. And it's, well, it's easily, it's easy to find it. Just go to da -da 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 Global Engagement. I'm like, no, tell, tell me where I can find it if I'm Russian, in Russia, on, and then there's silence. But... Uh, you know, Russia's uh, Coke is spending three billion dollars. It's in the middle of a three billion dollar expansion campaign in Russia, night from twenty twelve to twenty seventeen. Uh, we're talking big money here, and we're mm -hmm. talking a lot of people, and we're talking impact. So, what I want to have happen before the end of Sochi is, I want Coca Cola to make their human relation or HR. What does HR stand for? It's totally human resources. Human resources. Thank you. I've got so many humans and relations and all that sort of thing. It all gets jumbled together, honey. It does. Uh, anyway, we want their. I want their HR policies to be the same system wide, and their system mm -hmm. is the globe. So you know that if that happens as a result of this kind of stuff, then I'll be really happy. Yeah. And the same thing, you know, if we can push the, and then as Coke does it, you know, so will go other companies. The same thing, this is what it goes back to this perfect storm thing with the Olympics. If we can get, if we can call Russia on the carpet about what's happening there, then we can go after the other countries who are also represented, you know, under their Olympic, under these Olympic mm -hmm. flags. If we can talk about this stuff while all these other you know, countries are coming together and talking about it, you know, President Obama had to talk about it and, and he went on Leno and talked about it when we first started talking about these issues in August. But, I mean, if we can talk about Russia, then we can talk about Jamaica, we can talk about Cameroon, we can talk about New York, we can talk about all mm -hmm. the places where, you know, this is still a big issue. Anyway. So, what if, what action can people take who are listening to this, who, not necessarily in New York, like, what? what? Well, <clears throat> there are lots of things that you can do, right? The first thing is, Send an email to the Coca-Cola company and tell them that even, even if you don't know anything else than what I've just told you here, 
just say to them, say something about what's happening in Russia. You know, say something. You, you have an opportunity to make me actually want to buy your product and to, and to make me actually buy it and feel... I'm not asking you to boycott it. Keep buying the damn stuff if you want to. But, like, <coughs> I want to put it, in, put it in your head that, you know, they could be doing more and it's not going to cost them a penny. And if you tell them the right way, which is the truth, that we can actually feel good about buying their product if they say something and do the right thing, not unlike what this head of the New York Stock Exchange did, right. you know, it's not going to cost them a thing. It's not going to cost them a thing. It's going to be goodwill. It's going to be in keeping with their philosophy of, you know, perfect harmony. Mm-hmm. Um, so Coca-Cola is something you can do. NBC is definitely something. If you're going to watch the Olympics in Sochi on February the 6th through the 23rd, only on NBC and its networks, um, I encourage you to send NBC a quick email. It doesn't have to be a lot. And just say, you have a news agency that is world-renowned. Don't rewrite the news. Don't hide what's going on because they have already started a disinformation campaign mm-hmm. with Johnny Weir, who is, you know, they hired Johnny Weir as this out gay person so that we would all go, whew, we're safe now because we got one of ours that's going to be up there. Yeah. Well, that's bullshit. And he's a nitwit. He's a total nitwit. He's not the sharpest tool in the shit. I got into a big pissing match with him this past week that took fire. Like, it really became sort of him and me, which was weird. But, um, so say to NBC, don't rewrite the, you know, report the news. Don't write it. Mm-hmm. Because that's scary. It becomes very Orwellian. It becomes very, yeah. you know, oh, you know, when, when Johnny Weir's talking about triple axles and, you know, hamel toes or whatever. <laughs> that's a, dangerously like camel toe. It like is dangerously like camel toe, which is probably in effect when some of those are happening. But, um, <laughs> you know, and then suddenly, scriptedly, says... You know, they work so, these people work so hard. You know, I'm here and I can see it in person, but I just know how long this person's been working on it. And it would have been such a horrible shame not to have gone, not to have been able to go to Sochi and to have boycotted. That would have been awful. And then Tara Lipinski chimes right in and says, yes, that would have been just awful and really terrible. And, you know, people just don't realize how hard it is. And then for weird to then pipe back and say, and it's not even that bad there. It's really not that bad. I, okay, that's not the truth. That's not the truth, you know, and it's wrong and evil for you to say that. Yeah, does he even know? I mean, that, well, that, he's a, that you know, excuses he's, it. He's a Russophile. I mean, he's a, you know, he, when, he was going around urging people not to boycott back in September. I can't stand the guy because he really was the IOC's paid show when we were trying to get attention that it really was... There was still enough time that we could have moved the Olympics to Vancouver. The, the superstructure, the infrastructure is still in place from Vancouver yeah. from 2010. And, um, you know, it could have been done. But the IOC had him prancing around there in a rush, a former Soviet uniform. Did you see those pictures? See that picture? No. Yeah, they had him going around going, everything's fine, everything's fine, everything's fine, everything's fine. And people work so hard and I can't wait to go and I can't wait to go and I can't wait to go. Meanwhile, he wasn't even practicing and he didn't even file the forms to go. Because mm-hmm. I'm sure that he knew that he was going to be... He's too old and he was going to be a color commentator for NBC. <clears throat> um, the thing that I keep thinking about, and you talked about Nazi Germany, and it feels so like dramatic to even make this conclusion. Well, history... I work... We're talking right now in my office. I work uh-huh. at New York University. And historians here have always said... What's it called? Goodman's Law? You're, you're not supposed to bring... You know, there, no, nothing is comparable to that. 
right? Mm-hmm. People say it's easy, to, it's easy to do it and you take away credibility the minute that you do do it because there's really been nothing like that since. But this is... And now we have historians that I see here that are saying, actually, the parallels here are so dramatic that they're hard to believe. You know, the Olympic thing. Yeah. The things about, you know, you telling people that they can't have civil society, that they need to go and be in the shadows, taking children away from them, mm-hmm. second class, all these second class things, you know, um, there, it's something that just came out yesterday, uh, there is now a campaign in Russia where people are being offered money to turn in to identify to out folks who are LGBT oh. who are in occupations like teaching. So if I go to the authorities and say, Michael Heron teaches children music and he's a homosexual, I'm going to get a reward. And then you're going to get called in. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's happening. That's happening now. It's like the damn Twilight Zone. It's just, yeah. Okay, that's happening, and it really, you know, as much as we're in denial about it, it's getting worse. And we're complicit, like, anybody who, complicit. Anybody who sits there and Anybody who sits there and says, there's nothing I can do, is, I think is complicit about it. Because I'm just one person, and I feel like I'm trying to do what I can. And I know that makes me sound like a total asshole, but I mean, one thing that has been amazing to me is that one person can really make a difference in this particular issue. You're, we're going up companies like, I mean, these behemoths like McDonald's and NBC and Coca-Cola and, <clears throat> you know, they listen. You know, there is critical mass when more than one, you know, it's that I told two friends and they told two friends and mm-hmm. so on. That's what's happening. It's the power of social media. It's the power of uh, really... Good versus evil. I know that sounds completely naive and very. You know, I feel like a little butterfly should land on my finger while I'm t- talking. It just did. <laughs> this is you audio. Know. We can tell people that it did. But I just really, you know, this is a chance where you can be a, a citizen of the world. You know, but you have sixty-one days to do it. Mm-hmm. And I, it really again. is an amazing opportunity that the likes of which I don't know if we'll ever have again. This particular issue about the LGBT community in Russia, right? It's mm-hmm. huge. It's big. It's important. It's, it's urgent. And we have this perfect storm of the Olympics with commerce, sport, the competition, and international relations all coming together. I mean, it's, it's an opportunity that will never maybe come again in our lifetime where there is such a big, urgent issue happening in this particular country that mm-hmm. we have all of these tools at our disposal if people just get involved in whatever way they can. And talking about it is a great way to get involved. The holidays are coming up, too. You know, the fact that people are coming together over the holidays that they can actually talk about things yeah. that they can do. I mean, it's a great, it's an amazing, I get completely charged because we're never going to have this opportunity again. It's things, I mean, and really, act now. This offer will not be repeated. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah. Ooh. Okay, we should wrap this up. Fine. But in conclusion, in conclusion. Where, where should I send people on, online? Do, 
Well, there's, you know, we, Queer Nation has a uh, website, queernationny.com, I think it is. Google I'll put it. Links, I'll put links on mikeypod.com. Yeah, that's great. Um, <clears throat> I post shit all over my Facebook page constantly, so if you want to friend me or not, I think my, my uh, settings are pretty open so people can go and look. I'll put, so I can put a link to your Absolutely. Facebook. Absolutely. Um, You're going to have some friends. It's honey. fine. Um, but also, just go, I mean, you know, the the sponsors are really, you know, follow the money. That's that's what I keep telling everybody. Mm-hmm. Just follow the money. Because unfortunately, money does make the world go around. All of this is about the Russian economy. All of this is about the Olympic stuff. It's about... It's about the four billion with a B billion dollars that NBC has paid for the rights to cover the Olympics between mm-hmm. now and 2020. It's about the billions of dollars that Coca-Cola is spending in Russia for their expansion plan. It's about the hundreds of millions of millions of dollars that each indiv- each one of these individual ten companies has spent for two weeks of marketing. It's about the 51 billion dollars that Vladimir Putin has spent. Of Russia's money in a country that can't afford to keep up its hospitals and its infrastructure to turn Sochi into a world-class resort community. I mean, that's what he this is he thinks this is gonna save them, <coughs> right? And it's it's a personal, it's a big personal project for him. So $51 billion, most has ever been spent on any Olympics ever. By the way, in such Sochi, which is subtropical. Uh, it's mm-hmm. the first subtropical Winter Olympics in history, and people are shaking their heads about if it's going to even be able to come off. Because they're storing snow from three winters to have enough, and then the rest of it's going to be man-made. So, I mean, you'll, if, if you do watch the Olympics, you'll hear that the conditions are terrible. So, it's just, it's going to be a shit <laughs> it's show. It's a hot mess. It's a hot mess. Uh, thank you for joining me today. I'm happy to. Uh, I'm sure I sounded like a lunatic. No, you sounded day. perfectly unlunaticish. <laughs> uh, thank you, Ken. There's a place I know for certain I will someday see When I lay down my burden And look on Galilee Way beyond the surly bonds Of earth and hate and war On a far celestial shore There's a valley of crystal waters Vines adorn the hill And every bough is heavy with fruit You can pick your fill There's a land of plenty Where no child shall want for more On a far celestial shore And I'll know such jubilation Joy and exaltation when I see my Lord. There's a choir and congregation. Ooh, how sweet the sound. But laughter too is everywhere. Grave faces are not found. Hallelujahs rise up from a whisper. To roar on a far celestial shore
way beyond the surly bonds of earth and hate and war on a far celestial shore there's a land of plenty where no child shall want for more celestial shore hallelujahs rise up from a whisper to a roar on a far celestial shore on a far far celestial shore on a far celestial shore that was Mavis Staples with On a Celestial Store. The song came up while I was walking to my meeting with Ken Kidd. Thank you for joining me, Ken Kidd. So clearly that was the universe and my lady voice is telling me, yes, play some Mavis Staples on this show. So there it is. Um, I hope you enjoyed that interview. It was maybe a little on the long side. I was going to edit it down a little bit, but mm-mm. <laughs> All that stuff was important. I couldn't find anything to cut out. So, uh, yeah, there you go. Uh, thanks for listening. MikeyPod.com for uh, links. Uh, really, I just will have links there for Ken Kidd's uh, Facebook page and for Queer Nation New York, which is QueerNationNY.org. Um, MikeyPod.com. You can leave comments. You can email me at MikeyPod at gmail.com. Uh, if you want to follow me on Facebook or um, Google+, Plus, Twitter, any of those things, there are links right there on MikeyPod.com. Uh, if you're interested in my solo work, my music writing, my performance art, you can go to MichaelHeron.com. But, of course, there's a link there on MikeyPod.com. I try to have everything everywhere. So um, I really appreciate your support. Please take some action. Tell your friends about what's going on. And uh, take this into consideration uh, as the Olympics approach. And uh, do something right people and uh, you could all there are always actions uh, to do so thank you again for listening mikeypod.com and um the end <laughs>